Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And our guest today is Stephen Aiden. He serves as the Chief Legal Officer and General Counsel at Americans United for Life. Uh, Stephen is a highly experienced litigator, having appeared in court against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry dozens of times, and has been appointed by the Attorneys General of six states to defend pro-life laws. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Deacon Bennett. Thank you. Um, can you talk a little bit about Americans United for Life and uh, and what you guys do? I'd be happy to. Thank you. Americans United for Life is headquartered in Washington, D.C. We are the uh, original and oldest national pro-life legal advocacy center, and uh, we've been honored to be involved in every uh, Supreme Court case involving abortion since uh, Roe versus Wade, actually before Roe versus Wade. And uh, we uh, have written the lion's share of state uh, pro-life legislation. Uh, we have uh, close to 50 uh, different uh, model legislation uh, bills that uh, the states uh, consider and pass uh, every year. And uh, we're privileged to do that work uh, and very thankful for those who make it possible. How can people follow what you guys are doing? What's the web page? The webpage is www.aul.org. AUL.org. Very simple. Well, and I can tell everybody I've been on the webpage. Very helpful. You got a lot of news articles. Very current, too. So you go on some people's webpages and you see articles from like, you know, 2017 or something like that. And so you have stuff right up to date that's been happening recently. And unfortunately, there's been a lot happening recently. Uh, in terms of how the elections turned out, and the Democrats now controlling the, the White House, the Congress, the Senate. Uh, what, is, what is the outlook for the life issues when it comes, at least legislatively, at the federal level? Yeah, things are in flux right now. Uh, with the recent elections in Georgia, you know, it does appear that uh, the Senate is evenly split 50-50. Uh, those uh, party lines... Uh, don't necessarily uh, closely reflect uh, pro-life or pro-choice uh, convictions, but you know, by and large, they do, with uh, some critical exceptions. Uh, and that 50-50 split, of course, means that the uh, vice president-elect Kamala Harris, who is uh, stridently pro-abortion, will break any ties. So, um, in in the Senate, uh, we're looking to. Uh, to uh, pro-life or pro-life-leaning senators like Joe Manchin of West Virginia uh, to kind of uh, hold the line on the most radical things that the Biden administration would like to do. Chief among those is the administration would love to uh, rescind the Hyde Amendment, which is the federal pro writer that prohibits the use of federal taxpayers' dollars uh, to destroy human life and elective abortions. Um, that's been in place since the late 70s. It's been a bilateral, uh, bipartisan uh, piece of legislation that until recently it seemed like everybody could agree on. Uh, and now uh, the uh, Democratic Party is uh, pushing hard to uh, require all American taxpayers to subsidize uh, elective abortion. And uh, that's priority one for Americans United for Life uh, to save the Hyde Amendment. Our lawyers 
back in 1980 uh, were the ones that defended the Hyde Amendment successfully in the U.S. Supreme Court uh, in a case called Harris versus McRae in a companion case. So we have a strong conviction and uh, a lot of history. Henry Hyde, in fact, was on our was on our uh, governing board. Um, and uh, that, so it's uh, it's an issue that's uh, critically important. Um, and we're going to fight like the Dickens to keep that amendment in place. And I I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll be able to do so. Um, that will be the main thing, I think, in the Senate. Uh, I do not think that um, that the uh, the Democrats, even if they control the chamber by one, uh, will will be able to push through big legislation. They won't be able to pack the Supreme Court with pro-abortion uh, um, jurists as they've threatened to do. You must be looking at my question sheet, Stephen, because that was going to be one of my questions. You know how likely because they, you know, they've done a lot of banter about that. But uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, even yeah. with where we are right now, that they really don't probably have that power to do that. I do not believe they will. Um, Mansion of West Virginia has explicitly said that he would not vote for it. I think there are several others, uh, and you know, we only need to peel off one vote in the Senate, of course, to keep that from happening. Even if they could get past uh, the filibuster, there's still a 60-vote requirement for any standalone legislation unless the Democrats decide to uh, pull the nuclear option and uh, eliminate the filibuster requirement. They could do that and uh, provide that all bills need only pass by 51 votes uh, and that there's no filibuster. I don't think they will. That would be a historic um, change in the way that the Senate does uh, work. And they know that uh, in two years or four years, that the chamber could well come back into Republican hands, especially with one of those Georgia uh, seats coming up in two years as a, uh, because it was a special election. So there's a lot of things in play in the Senate, but um we think that, by and large, in the Senate, it will remain status quo. The House is interesting uh, because uh, most pundits predicted that there would be a, uh, a fairly substantial uptake in the number of Democratic seats in the House, and instead the opposite happened. Right. Much uh, closer now. Down. Yeah, it's much closer. Um, so for that reason, I think uh, – Speaker Pelosi, who was just uh, re-elected Speaker on Sunday. Yeah, how lucky can we get? Um, <laughs> well, she's promised it will be the last time. Uh, we'll, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. When oh, you're, no. when oh, you're, no. uh, you know, you were around when Methuselah was running around. I guess that you, you know, it's easier to say that. Well, yeah, but uh, be that as it may, um, she and uh, the other uh, Democratic leaders in the House have moved to tighten the rules of the House. And they've eliminated a procedural mechanism that uh, allowed the opposition party to bring an amendment uh, when the bill is on the House floor, kind of a last-ditch effort by the opposition, typically in this case the Republican Party, to uh, to put uh, more salient provisions into a bill or uh, to put a poison pill in a really bad bill. That's gone now. Uh, and uh, all bills have to go back to committee to be amended. That's going to make it more difficult to speak to important issues and more easy for the Democrats to ram through their agenda 
in the House. But, you know, the, the closer margin uh, is uh, is going to be problematic for them because there are uh, a few uh, Democrats in the House who um, are moderate uh, or lean pro-life, and, uh, you know, they, they can make it hard. One of the outgoing uh, congresswomen, uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. Yeah, she's been very outspoken lately, hasn't she? She's been very outspoken. She's been trying to change the party uh, by uh, introducing pro-life legislation. She introduced a, a, I think it was a 20-week limit on abortion. Um, and uh, she's out now, unfortunately. Uh, she was one of the lights uh, on the Democratic side, but... Um, She's no longer in the House. Uh, Dan Lipinski from Illinois, pro-life uh, Democrat, is also out uh, after a targeted campaign against him. Um, so I think the number of people who will stand up and say, I'm a pro-life Democrat in the House, is I think it's down to one. I think there's one from uh, Texas who— uh, I was surprised there was surprised. one. I was going to say a round number like zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think he comprises the singular— uh, pro-life Democratic caucus in the House. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we are looking uh, ahead to better things, uh, and we're very optimistic about what's happening in the states. Uh, there's a lot going on there, and the states are in a much better position, in fact, uh, than they've been probably for years to pass strong life-saving legislation to get it upheld by the uh, federal appeals courts and the Supreme Court. Well, and we've seen uh, different so states do that, right? We've seen different states really take a harder stand on abortion, which is nice. But before I get into states, one of the things, you know, when I, when I look at the team that Biden is putting together, it reminds me of that movie with Nicolas Cage called Con Air uh, with the assault on life, especially Xavier Becerra out of being mm -hmm. the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary. I mean, all you have to do is look at his track record in California, and you just cringe. Sure. And he and uh, President, uh, Vice President-elect Harris were the two that were tag-teaming pro-wrestling uh, style on David Delayden and the Center for Medical Progress. You remember when the videos came out yep. exposing uh, Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry sale of baby body parts. And th instead of taking that as a lesson, uh, they went on the attack against uh, David and uh, filed criminal uh, complaints against him, participated in uh, actually um, uh, raided his house. Uh, and uh, he's still under uh, a pile of uh, legal problems created by uh, Kamala Harris and by Javier Becerra. So that's a problem. His name is also on the uh, lawsuit that wound up in the Supreme Court where he was trying to defend, Becerra was trying to defend California's rule law that required that pro-life pregnancy centers put a sign on their wall saying the state of California would like to give you a free abortion. <laughs> and they, they refused to do that. Uh, and uh, Becerra took them all the way to the Supreme Court and lost with the Supreme Court majority. Uh, clearly saying that pro-life advocates have the right under the First Amendment uh, to express their pro-life advocacy, their respect for life, and they don't have to repeat the state's party line that abortion should be free. Thank the Lord. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, if, if anybody who's a defender of the Second Amendment, you see Becerra's name on all kind of lawsuits. So <laughs> life, I mean, this this guy is is really uh, really a pill. So that's going to be a challenge for us. How what's the over under on Biden uh, doing an executive order getting rid of the Mexico City policy was about five minutes on the 20th? Probably less than that. Uh, as soon as he can get to a desk and a pen, I'm sure it's a promise he's made to the abortion lobby that helped get him elected. Uh, yes, unfortunately, the the rule, Mexico City, which is now known as the uh, Protecting Life and Global Health Policy after its expansion uh, by uh, by President Trump, unfortunately, uh, will likely go by the wayside. Hopefully, it will take a few months of doing uh, these things tend to be concretized and set in stone, as it were, uh, and it takes a little while for the new administration to chip them out. But there will be an announcement and a directive, executive order by uh, President Biden as soon as he takes office. Um, but uh, that rule and probably the rule that uh, uh, pr- that protects uh, pro-life healthcare professionals and provides them a mechanism for filing complaints in health and human services will go by the wayside by executive order, but it'll take a few months to put them uh, to, to really dismantle what uh, the Trump administration has done so well. Another one that will go by the wayside probably, and very unfortunately, is the uh, Title 10 Protect Life rule. That's the one that requires that recipients of federal family planning funds under Title 10 uh, have to bifurcate uh, their abortion services from their family planning services. They have to be separate in uh, physical facilities, separate locations, and they have to have separate finances. Uh, that's a common sense rule that goes back to the Reagan administration and was reinstated by the Trump administration. Uh, unfortunately, by the stroke of a pen, that one will uh, likely go by the wayside also. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and I mean, and, uh, I mean, you, I, I think the good news is you paint somewhat of a hopeful picture, right? That they just can't jam everything down. I mean, now obviously, we know there's going to be uh, an assault on life, but you were mentioning earlier, and I kind of, you know, went in a different direction. Uh, it's hopeful in the states, right? The states have a lot of power that just because something's happened federally, the states can act, you know, based on what's in their best interest, or the people in those states feel that way, right? Oh, yeah. Um, states can and do act uh, to protect life, uh, sometimes uh, very aggressively uh, and appropriately. Um, I think we ought to be aggressive in protecting life, don't you? Uh, um, you would sure hope so, because so, if you can't protect that, what are you protecting? Exactly. Um, so the good news there is that the Trump administration uh, had more of an impact on the federal judiciary, the uh, trial courts, the courts of appeals and the Supreme Court than I think any presidential administration possibly in history. Um, the administration placed over 120 new judges on these courts and filled every single court of appeals vacancy uh, that came up, uh, every single one available to them. That's unprecedented. I mean, uh, Presidents Clinton, uh, George W. Bush, Obama, they all left vacant seats uh, when they left office, left a uh, on the table 
an opportunity to frame good, strong constitutionalist legal interpretation for years to come, because these judges, of course, on the federal bench have lifetime tenure. Uh, but uh, President Trump left no vacancy behind, as uh, Majority Leader McConnell put it. And they, they put them all through, uh, much to their credit, including three new uh, justices on the U.S. Supreme Court, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, they all care much more uh, what the Constitution actually says than uh, what the Supreme Court might have said that it means, uh, say, in 1973, or the case like Roe versus Wade. They're originalists, they're textualists, and they're no friends of abortion. I mean, Neil Gorsuch uh, wrote a book uh, opposing uh, the uh, so-called right to die, assisted suicide. And uh, we know well Amy Coney Barrett's uh, personal views on abortion because uh, she was an active member of the uh, pro-life movement uh, in Notre Dame, where she was a law professor. So uh, these folks are um, uh, are excellent picks, and uh, I look forward to seeing what the Supreme Court uh, will do with uh, abortion-related issues going forward. But yeah, it's a it's it's a good setup for uh, states that are willing to defend their pro-life laws against attacks by the Center for Reproductive Rights and Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion lawyers, uh, probably better than has been in many, many years. Now, if, if, if Roe versus Wade gets back up to the Supreme Court, they overturn it, are there things that the pro-death states, you know, Colorado, California, you know, I could go on and on, is there things that they can do at the state level to protect uh Unfortunately, the right to kill children, no matter what Roe versus Wade said, are they going to try to put anything in place to try to deflect a, an overturning of Roe versus Wade? You know, I'll tell you the truth, Deacon Bennett. There are uh, those states that are ardently anti-life, uh, California, Illinois, New York. You know, one wonders what more they could do to promote abortion on demand in their states. Uh, all three of those states are good examples. All three of those states use state Medicaid funds to pay for elective abortions. All three of those states uh, harass pro-life pregnancy centers. All three of those states uh, purport to have on the books protections for uh, abortion uh, through all nine months. Uh, you could throw, yeah. Uh, so, I'm not sure what else they could do to promote abortion, but you know what? In each of those states, uh, the rate of abortion is still dropping. The number of abortions is still dropping uh, year by year. Um, the pro-life movement's doing great work even in those places. And so that's, uh, that's a very encouraging thing. Um, and uh, it's a matter for prayer for those of us of faith and thanking God that um, the movement is making progress, not just in the courts and in the legislatures, but also on the streets and in the court of public opinion. Well, and considering you're going up against a juggernaut, right? I mean, the 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 pro death abortion industry and the lobby is very powerful. They throw money around like they're printing it, don't they? They do, um, but all that money uh, won't make a difference when it comes to a uh, committed constitutionalist uh, reviewing 
uh, a state protection for life uh, in a federal appeals court or in the Supreme Court. Um, that's uh, one of the beauties of our uh, federalist system that the framers of the Constitution um, created uh, was they insulated federal judges from public pressure, from majoritarian pressure, uh, by making them um, have lifetime tenure. So they, they're they immune. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they don't have to run for office again, and uh, they can't be removed except by impeachment, which is very extreme and extremely rare. Uh, and so they make decisions, by and large, based on their uh, convictions and their understanding of uh, how the law applies. It's a beautiful thing. It's a thing that uh, we all ought to be uh, grateful for, especially in uh, some very uh, unsettled and unsettling political times these days. Well, that might be the understatement of the year so far, right? I mean, in terms of the, the volatility, it's crazy. Do you think that um, because of what's going on in the judiciary, that states like California and some of those other ones would be hesitant to file lawsuits because they don't want to lose? I think they're becoming a, uh, well, uh, I'm sorry, Dick, and you said states. Um, I, I mean, states not wanting part- to have, uh, have uh, cases regarding abortion get up into the federal level. Uh, because they're afraid they're going to lose. Are they going to? Is it? Are they going to refrain from doing that because of their because of this? Uh, what's going on now? Yeah, I think it cuts both ways. Um, the uh, the party that will be reluctant, I think, to go into federal court going forward is Planned Parenthood. Right. Uh, yeah. Because they recognize that uh, it's getting harder and harder, and at the end of that road might be a Supreme Court case. Uh, overturning Roe. And so increasingly, they're not willing to take that chance. And they're starting to file more and more in state courts, because in some states like in California, in New York, uh, places like that, they have a state constitutional uh, provision protecting the so-called right to abortion, or they have a uh, state Supreme Court decision finding a right to abortion in the Constitution that uh, wasn't supposed to be there, much like the U.S. Supreme Court did for U.S. Constitution in Roe v. Wade in 1973. Um, so the battle is going increasingly to the states and to the state courts. Uh, I um, I expect that the day that Roe v. Wade is overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court, that Planned Parenthood and the Center for Reproductive Rights will file lawsuits probably in one-third of the... Uh, states and state courts seeking to impose a state-created right to abortion under state law. Um, That'll be the new battleground, and the pro-life movement has got to be ready for it. Uh, I hope and pray that we are. Well, and I think, uh, you know, the pro-life movement has done a great job. I mean, there's still, I mean, there's more than a handful of states right now that are down to one abortion clinic in the state. So the, the ground troops have done a great job, but I think uh, your warning is uh, well advised that we need to make sure that we're awake on that. What can people do who are listening to prepare now for those states to that would be uh, inclined to make that kind of the state law? 
I think the thing to bear in mind is that folks cannot duck and cover on this issue. One of the Supreme Court's great mistakes was Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992, where they came up with this uh, halfway measure, the so-called undue burden standard, and they said we're going to uphold Roe, but we're going to continue with this right to abortion. And in essence, they said, uh, everybody stand down and go home. We want the controversy to end. And instead, the controversy has only increased. Uh, the size of the crowds at the annual March for Life, except probably for this one uh, because of COVID, just grows and grows and grows into the many hundreds of thousands every year. And uh, the issue is never going away. Uh, the uh, until uh, the courts and the legislatures respect all human life. So this is a lifetime battle for my generation, probably for my children's generation. You can't duck and cover. You have to be engaged. It's either going to be in the Supreme Court, uh, in the Congress, or uh, if, Lord willing, Roe is overturned, the issue will be returned to the states and to the people where it belongs instead of in the hands of nine people wearing black robes. Uh, when it goes back to the states, that's ideal for us because that is where the pro-life movement uh, is really at its strength. Um, and uh, the local legislatures uh, working for pro-life legislation um, on the streets, uh, local marches for life, uh, that's, that's really where we have shown our strength to be. And so... Um, we want that uh, issue to be returned to the states and to the people. That's where it belongs under the Constitution, and that's where uh, it belongs um, because there we can protect and defend life, I think. Well, and we have to, right? You're, you're right. This is, uh, you know, no pun intended, like you said, a lifelong event. But if we can't defend life, really, any other arguments we have on any other issues kind of ring hollow if if all of a sudden, you know, we, we care about immigration, but we don't care about life, uh, you know, you really lose a lot of credibility like that. Uh, we're down to about the next last 30, 40 seconds. Uh, Stephen, can you remind everybody how they can follow what you're doing? Because, uh, again, your website is is really good and it's and it's helpful to keep people up to date. Oh, thank you, Deacon. It's uh, AUL.org. And uh, we're very grateful and uh, privileged to partner with people all across the spectrum uh, on uh, life-saving legislation, on court litigation, uh, advocacy, uh, education, um, and uh, we're grateful for uh, our supporters and grateful for those that make it possible. Well, and again, you do a great job of keeping up to date on current news. You guys have comments on it and let people know kind of how the cow ate the cabbage. So I appreciate that. 